gonna jam to that music for a little bit. Let it play. Uh. It looks like I'm playing keyboards, but I'm actually typing out more notes. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Spilled Popcorn. Yes, this is the web series slash podcast slash experiment where my buddy Cam and I, we chat about all things with the Marvel TV uh, series going on right now. Can you believe this? Cam, can you believe this? Episode two of Loki we're diving into tonight. I know. I'm excited. There's lots, lots to dig into in this episode. Lots to chat about. It's really wild. We have no time to waste, but let me get your gut check of this episode first and foremost. Did you feel a sense of uh, direction of future for this, or did you feel like, all right, it's kind of a placeholder. We got a few tidbits. Um, I feel like I feel like it's it gives us a good direction of sort of what's immediately to come. I still feel like the larger the larger series outcome remains to be seen and that like what trajectory we're on remains to be seen. But I think we, we know what's to come next episode and it's enough to keep you interested for sure. For sure. For sure. Definitely. That's how I felt too. It's, you know, unfortunately with the Falcon and the winter soldier, we've talked about this on previous episodes where I think that series will be more meaningful later uh, that they were, they were laying the foundation for some, for some really cool stuff down the line, some really cool stuff right away. But this feels like more instant gratification, even though we know bigger and better things are to come. Uh, and we'll talk about that real soon. So without further ado, let's get into the unwrapping. Let's do it. My greasy, oily paper. All right, so Loki, uh, episode two. This episode is titled The Variant, the Disney Plus series. If you haven't watched the first one, definitely don't listen to this episode because there's just spoilers galore. That's what we do here on Spilled Popcorn. So Loki is a full nine to fiver with the TVA as we open up. Uh, Mobius is the only thing standing in between him and his variance to the sacred timeline of being erased. Uh, Many conversations happen around this, uh, most of them behind Loki's back, a secret conference uh, away from him, uh, but sometimes right in front of his face with some of the Minutemen where they're not afraid to just blast him with that eraser stick, which is super cool. And I hope that there's a toy like that because I'm a grown man. I don't play with toys, but I will gladly buy that for my seven-year-old son to play with him. So I'm hoping that happens in the near future. Uh, We've got Mobius and uh, Loki and the team, the Minutemen team. They suit up in an attempt to catch the variant, destructing the timeline intentionally. Uh, Just over and over and over again, they're trying to capture this guy. They think it's Loki. We still don't have a full verification on this, even by the end of this episode. Uh, we'll, hopefully we'll find out in episode three on that. But Loki slips into his old ways. We we dive back into, um, is it like the 1800s, Cam, our, our first uh, timeline jump? They go 1600s. to, uh, is it the Renaissance Fair? Is that the yeah. First one? So that's 1985, but yeah. 85. That's yeah. why I got mixed up. I thought, I was like, oh, we're back in the olden days. Yeah, Wisconsin, <laughs> the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> they tricked my mind just like that. I love it. I love it. And, and you get people, that's right. The girl at the front, she says, uh, she says, hey, you're not dressed appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not in theme. This. What's going on? <laughs> so we jump there uh, as, our, as our first kind of hunt with uh, Loki fully engulfed and ready to go uh, with the team. And he slips into his old ways. He's, he tries to trick them and then he almost has them and he almost gets away but mobius just very clearly is like nah you almost got me 
but let's go home. Uh, so then Loki begin, becomes kind of a detective, if you will, for the TVA. Uh, so he goes on this long trail of detective work and looking through old files in this giant library, uh, and he discovers the crumbs and differences between what's going on with all of these differences in Loki's timeline, uh, Loki that we knew up through Endgame. Uh, what we find, what he finds specifically is that the Loki variant, there's a, a little glitch in the system, uh, which is very exciting, is that apocalypses get reset. They reset uh, for the timeline. They reset um, civilizations. Uh, and anything that happens during that time, it won't uh, affect the little the little dial, the little um, uh, the little little line chart that keeps going up to to red line. So they go and they test this theory in Pompeii. Very fun, silly, uh, wild moment. Uh, we get to see Tom Hiddleston just act a fool, and it's fantastic. And they test the theory, and it works. So their idea, their theory, is that the lo- the variant Loki, the destructive variant Loki, who's been killing off all these Minutemen, is then hiding in these apocalypses before he hits the next spot. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. I don't know if that's in the original uh, or in some version of Loki um, anywhere down the line, but I love it. It's exciting. And then the mission that we find out, this variant Loki, in quotes, we find that it was to continually blindside the the Minutemen, to capture their reset charges, and then to just drop a nuclear bomb in various points of the timeline, so many that the Minutemen would not be able to go and save the timeline like they normally do before it redlines. Brilliant plan by the villain. Don't know the intentions behind it other than mass chaos and i love that theory what am i missing anything i'm missing cam that's crucial i don't think so i don't think so all right all right and then a little bit of a a cliffhanger loki meets presumably uh, a female version of himself Mm -hmm. uh at the end of this episode not 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 a confirmed in any way shape or form we don't get much time with her at all and then loki rolls out with her uh into one of the time portals which is super exciting it just sets us up to say where are we going next so exactly this this series just moves it just moves and it's it's funny how it can be so linear when the everything opposite of linear is happening where we have different versions and different timelines of people so yeah what i what I really liked about this episode is how they sort of there, you know, there's so much ambiguity. There's so much of this like new world that we don't know anything about. And there's all these like different terms and phrases and people that we've not met. And so in order to sort of like get the audience in a state of like, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. They, they kind of put us in this, in a situation that is familiar. It's formulaic, you know, it's like, okay, we've got a mission here's the mission and here's why we're doing the mission. And now we're going to gather our team and go. And so that that's like a very familiar turf for Marvel people. They're like, okay, I, I feel like I'm getting my bearings. And so that helps that. I think that helps. I think that is something that could have helped WandaVision early on, even though I loved that show. I feel like it sat in the gray for a long time and people started to be like, what's going on? You know, it mm-hmm. was two full episodes of just like, what is happening? And in this episode, they start to like, put together the pieces. So I thought it was a good move for sure. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. The hearing uh, them say, uh, giving us terminology, giving us explanations. You know, Loki's asking for it. Loki becomes the uh, audience surrogate in a way where he's he's asking the questions that we want to know. And Mobius is like, well, he kind of gives answers <laughs> sometimes, and then sometimes he gives him dead dead on answers. You know, uh, it's it's very exciting to to see get like a, an education, get the the breadcrumbs, the trail on where we're going, um, being vague enough, but exactly like you said, being familiar enough to not just be throwing our arms up in the air. Like, what are we doing here, Marvel? It's it's very smart, very smart writing. Uh, so with that, I, I got to jump right into the butta because this feeds right into that. And one of the best parts of this episode, we got a lot of this in the first episode, but especially this episode is the actionable dialogue. Uh, it's, it's actually pretty impressive to watch. You can have a a dialogue between people and there has to be something that comes out of it, right? Sometimes it can be mundane and the mundaneness of a dialogue is exactly what you need. It's character development. It's to express where people are at, maybe one or two people, whether it's a monologue or dialogue. But if we are on a mission like this, if we're in the world of the MCU, dialogue is best useful than if it's actionable. Uh, one of the best people who ever was able to do this was, of course, Mr. William Shakespeare. And how how perfect is it that the Shakespearean uh, kind of esque dialogue happens? Uh, Kenneth Branagh injected it into Thor one, and it still lives on because Loki still speaks like that. He hasn't modernized his slang or his jargon i wanted to see what how you felt about we had lots of scenes of conversations more than we had action and what you noticed in between those yeah i think i think what's interesting um and and what makes tom hiddleston perfect for this is that he is sort of known um, amongst the mcu cast members as someone who has a vast knowledge of the source material someone who has really studied up on marvel lore and is frequently schooling his fellow cast members and even even the directors of the shows and movies that he's in on marvel lore and what things are important and so i think he does act as a good conduit for the uh, audience, uh, you know, for, for to be asking those questions and giving those explanations because he he's frequently familiar with answering these questions. And so he knows what kinds of questions people are going to have. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of this dialogue is improv with him being like, hey, we need to talk about Nexus events because that's going to come up and the, the audience is going to want to know. I mean, he has that level of knowledge on this stuff. So I think that is what was really impressive in this one. That'd be amazing to be like sitting there, him and Owen Wilson, and then he just starts going off and the director has to like reel him back in like, hey, uh, Tom, <laughs> that's cool. But yeah. Um, yeah, we don't, we're not going there yet. It's like, oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, that's, that's incredible. I did not know about his level of, of expertise. That's yeah. pretty yeah, impressive. It's, they, the other actors will talk about how like he has these like impromptu seminars where he's like <laughs> teaching people about what happens in the comics. It's pretty, pretty cool. Oh man, I hope he acts it out like in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a little play. That'd be fantastic. Uh that's you know, what we what really came down to was the dialogue and just those few key moments in this, uh, those few key actionable moments where they're racing somewhere and fighting off the hooded variant who then pulls off the hood and becomes, of course, this presumably female Loki, which as we know, Loki can become 
anything. There's there's yeah, seemingly he's a shapeshifter. No, it's one of his core yeah. core powers, core abilities. He can he can turn into anything. In the comics, he turns into birds. He turns into fish. He turn you know he can turn into anything. And he's he's a woman in the comics for a good chunk of time post Ragnarok. Is isn't there a line somewhere? I don't know where it is, but in the MCU, where I think someone even says like. Could he become a chair? Is is that in the MCU? Or yeah, I, just make it? yeah. I don't. Th- I don't know that it's in the MCU. It's possible, but uh, yeah, they do. They do refer to Loki in such a way, like he can. He can be whatever he wants to be. Inanimate objects, like that's uh, which gives the ability of the MCU writers and production team to just fully do whatever they want. Uh, if they need to retcon anything, they can do it in a sophisticated way through Loki, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's like, the ultimate loophole, right? <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible. So when the light was, you know, just drained out of his eyes in Endgame, um, or was it Infinity Wars? I never Infinity remember anymore. War, yeah, in Infinity he, War, that's where he dies. Yeah, where he where he croaked. Um, it it was. It seemed like the end, but I'm so glad it wasn't. I'm so glad it wasn't. Yeah. Let's talk about the crumbs here uh, of what's what's to speculate, what's to come. I mean, we can chat first about his shape shiftingness because. Is this female Loki Loki or is it another variant perhaps? I mean, that's the question. <laughs> that is the that is actually the question. <laughs> you know, for all intents and purposes, she appears to be Loki, right? She's got the uh the dual horned sort of crown going on. She's got, you know, a similar look. Uh she 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 looks like if you looked at her, you might be like, oh, that's like she looks like a female Tom Hiddleston, you know, and mm-hmm. um, obviously I mentioned it earlier. There's comics backing for for a lady Loki. Um, but but who's to say that it actually is? I mean, it could be anything. It could be could be anyone or anything. What I find interesting. So in the episode, when he's searching through the case files of all these different Loki variants, there is a blink and you miss it moment where at the top of the page, it says Sylvie Laufey Doter, which okay. Loki's name is Loki Laufeyson. So to be Laufey Doter would mean that this is Laufey's daughter and therefore is a different version of Loki. But the first name Sylvie is interesting for a lot of reasons because in the comics, there is a Sylvie Lushton that becomes Enchantress post Ragnarok because of Lady Loki's abilities. Lady Loki actually tricks Thor into recreating Enchantress. So let me break that down for you real quick because it's really confusing. Let's go, yeah. So after Ragnarok, everybody dies, right? Because it's Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody dies and they are reborn into, all of these Asgardian gods are reborn into human bodies. And Thor is sort of the first one to be awakened and to remember his past as an Asgardian god. And he has this idea to sort of recall all of the Asgardians to this new Asgard, which is going to be in Oklahoma, of all places, actually. And so (laughs) he's trying to rebuild this old Asgard. and He tries to call together all these Asgardians. And Loki is also aware of his past as an Asgardian. And Thor's plan is to bring everybody back who's good. So no Loki, no Hela, no Enchantress. I don't want any of those goons in here. (laughs) Just the nice Asgardians. And Loki tricks him into bringing everyone back. And so as part of that, Loki, Lady Loki, because Loki's in a a female body at that point on, on Earth, actually, in a way, tricks Thor into bringing Enchantress back to life in human form. And the human's name is Sylvie Lushton. So all of that is to say 
the name Sylvie is significant, right? Like it has it has significance. Enchantress is a huge villain in the Marvel comics and would be a huge villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, without a doubt. But the fact that the last name is Laufey-Doder makes you think that Sylvie is perhaps uh, a misnomer, some sort of red herring for the, for the for the comics fans, or maybe just who knows? Somebody liked the name, you know. But but th- you know. Could does that actually, you know, does the name Laufey Doder really mean that this is Loki? And what's interesting is he's looking through this case file and he sees the Sylvie Laufey Doder, but the whole time they're on this mission, they're saying him, 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 him. So they don't know that that's the variant that they're after. They know that they're after a Loki variant. They assume it's a male and Loki encounters the female version. So we don't, we don't necessarily know that it's that person so there's there's a lot up in the air but that's certainly very interesting Mm. you know what i want to see they've done this a few times Uh, that that trick in particular where it's they you know they keep saying him and all of a sudden it's clearly a female in front of us right yeah um or someone who would identify as such and what i would love for them to do is to get someone uh in those early scenes where we just see them walking around with a hood, like get like Terry Crews, like in it where you just have this <laughs> or the rock and you just have this massive build. So then when you do pull it off, you're like, Oh my gosh. Like then I think it becomes more real. I mean, that is tricking your audience um, in, in a, in a much more way, a bigger annoying kind of way. But I feel like that would give us a bigger oomph uh, to it. So maybe not go to the extreme of these giant bodybuilders, but I feel like their physical form, you can somehow uh, guess. You're like, I don't know. They're kind of, you know, you're just kind of guessing, you know, from these, but I would really like to be uh, at least as an attempt, fool me uh, just as a, as a test to say, this is a, this is a body, but we changed the body when they actually reveal it. I want to see that. I want to see it sometime. Yeah. And I think, um, my take on the whole, is this Sylvie person enchantress or is it truly a Lady Loki variant? I yeah. think it's Lady Loki. And the reason I think that is that I think Loki would know himself in a different form, you mm-hmm. know, as a variant. I think he would recognize himself. And he's sort of immediately enthralled with this person yeah. and enough so to follow her into some abyss, you know, some unknown timeline. I think. Something that they're really exploring with Loki, which I love, because Loki really is one of the most complex characters in the entire Marvel Marvel universe, and certainly in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. But there is this thing with Loki where he sort of starts to realize over and over again that his only role in life, and they sort of explained it in the first episode, yes. is to make other people better, to yes. be the stepping stool for Thor, for Thor, to create the Avengers, you know, to always finish in second place, to always be the villain. And so I think when he sees this this female Loki and I think he sees himself in her and sees that she's a boss, you know, who's just blown up the sacred timeline, he's like, that's what I need to be a part of. I've always believed that I'm like not that Loki who always finishes second, that Loki who's like the joker or the, you know, the at the the afterthought right he's like i think i'm the superior loki but she she's got what i want and i i want to be a part of that so i think that's a really interesting thing that they're exploring here that's true and then it's like validation like well if that is me and i am it her then all of a sudden i am on top i yeah i led the way i charged the way i paid Plus, the he's way. the one who found her right so he is yeah. a, you know he's got some level of sophistication even if he you know even if it is revealed that she is somewhat 
intellectually superior to him. He did find her. He, he, he put the puzzle pieces together and was like, this is where she's at. So I think right. that's validation for him as well. And then this version of Loki, uh, you know, he, we have to remember this is 2012 Loki. So he just brought the battle to New York. Yep. He got captured briefly in handcuffs and then disappeared. He didn't spend time back on Asgard in, no. in, a, in a cell and just growing his hair out really long and then going to another battle and then going back uh, and hiding it as Odin and then getting his butt whooped and back in prison. Like none of that has happened. So his confidence level is pretty high having barely been captured by the Avengers, uh, even though he's seen the rest of the timeline as 616 has played out. So I want to talk about that specifically. You brought this up offline and I thought it was brilliant. The date that this aired was on june 16th and what is the nugget about those three digits cam yeah so 616 which would be 616 june 16th uh 616 is the sacred timeline for lack of a better term in marvel it is the main reality and timeline that all of the events take place on with the exception of a few and if it doesn't take place on that timeline they let you know that this is like earth 1093 or whatever you know like they let you know but mainly everything that we're dealing with and certainly everything that we've dealt with in the marvel cinematic universe so far is on earth 616 in that reality so it is interesting that this this episode where lady loki i'm I'm gonna call her lady loki until i'm proven otherwise which i'm sure i will (laughs) um when Lady Loki bombs the sacred timeline, effectively creating the multiverse and and destroying everything that we know to be real, um, it happens on on the date six one six. So that's I I don't think that's unintentional. <laughs> I think that that's on purpose. No, and how cool Loki wanting to become just to elevate and finally unlock that evolution of him to be number one. If this is the multiverse moment, which it likely is, because there's no way that the Minutemen capture all of those. There's no way they can reset all of those. It's done. That was like a thousand of those reset (laughs) charges, dude. That was like... I mean, do they get to one? I don't know. They're so panicked. They're like, where do we start? You know, like this doesn't... It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And who knows? We could see... We could see glimpses into the future potentially on monitors inside the TVA headquarters. Oh, That'd be pretty sure. cool of seeing uh, seeing Doctor Strange running this way and Scarlet Witch running that way and Spider-Man. I, the, the possibilities are endless, uh, but I want to see something like that in the in the main headquarters. Yeah, I mean, I think this show more so than most is is just primed for Easter eggs. I mean, just totally like, we're going to look back on this years from now and we're in phase six and be like, it was in Loki. It happened in this episode. You know, like we really will. Uh, and we may not even know what we're looking at right now, but seriously, this is like, this is Easter egg heaven. This show, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. And, and you know, Kevin Feige, I always, I keep thinking about this when Kevin Feige appeared uh, after Doctor Strange was like starting production or wrapped production, I don't know where that project's at. To be honest with you, um, he was wearing a hat that had a Doctor Strange um, logo in three different colors that were sort of overlapping each other, and one was the Doctor Strange yellow, one was red, and one was green. And so I just keep thinking that this series is going headlong into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and that that movie will exist somewhere in the crux of Loki, WandaVision, and that movie. All of those crazy events kind of coinciding into this insane, time-twisting, reality-bending film. So, I mean, 
we know at this point in life, in real life, the Avengers campus has opened up at Disneyland, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So could we see, could we also see in the future, this would be nerd, nerddom come true, uh, <laughs> Avengers Campus 616, and then Avengers Campus at Disney World 1093, that and then cool. Shanghai. Oh my gosh, that would be nuts, right? And like you have what if characters over here, and you have this timeline yeah, what, over here. What if is the other thing too, because they're... There are so many possibilities to unwrap here. I mean, there there is a period of time, like Marvel comics get crazy. They get crazy. All comics do because they're for nerds. And so they get they get nuts. And, you know, there's a period of time where Loki is convinced, Lady Loki is convincing everyone that uh, they're the Scarlet Witch. And, and people like actually think that it's Wanda. It's like there is no limit to the chaos that can ensue in the comics. So I'm interested. And it's always interesting to see how the MCU adapts it. It's never quite how, how I expected. It. It's always somewhat different than I expected. It. It's always smarter than what I had in mind. Um, so I'm interested to see. The other thing I want to talk about is the timekeepers, man. We're, yeah. we're, I, I don't remember if it was in like the previously on or if it was actually in this episode. But one thing I really noticed in one of the scenes where they showed the timekeepers is that the middle timekeeper of the three looks exactly like Kang the Conqueror, like exactly like Kang the Conqueror. And that would be a pretty huge departure from the comics, which they haven't really done massive departures so far from character storylines for them to make Kang like an actual timekeeper. So I'm wondering if there's something else going on here. Like if this, if like this whole TVA thing is not actually the timekeepers or the TVA at all. And it's some sort of weird illusion created by Kang. And like, that's why Ravana who is like checking in with Mobius multiple times in this episode, who has a close relationship to Kang is like a huge player in this. I don't know what's going on there, but it feels not coincidental that Kang would be, um, the one who, uh, who is like, just going to throw this keeper. this yeah. very terrible quick screenshot up of <laughs> this. I wish I could make it a little bit bigger. Um, but looking at this, we've got like a side-by-side of Kang and his original. And of course, if you would also like to accept cookies, we can. Uh, of the original timekeeper uh, of, from Kang and, and of course, Mr. Uh, Jonathan Marshall, right? Majors. So. Majors, this is this is look at that nose, man. Look at it. Look at it. Well, I just mean the character design, even not even just like actually Jonathan Majors, but I like okay, the actual like Kang character design looks like that middle timekeeper. It's it's bizarre. Like that that face design is very similar to what Kang looks like in the comics. So That's um, I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. It's it's odd though. I wonder and what's so cool about having so much of this comic lore that you can take from like take from this timeline take from the 60s the 70s the 80s now whatever it might be and then to say hey you know what's happening in society boom and then you just throw a a new flavor on all of that and you just build off of that that's that's what's so cool and so beneficial for the writers right so we that's why it just continues to be exciting i don't understand um why we aren't in that room uh, i would love to be <laughs> i think one day uh, someone from marvel or disney should listen to this and these and nah, add we're us. not smart enough man they they've always got I the drop know. they've always got the drop they're always figuring stuff out man 
I I still think that with our creative genius and fandom, I think that they would really benefit from having two guys from Belleville, Illinois, join their team. That's I just want to throw that out there. So when they do listen to this, and then in 2050, when we are accepting our Nobel Peace Prizes for uh, benefiting the world of Marvel, I, I just think that this should be in uh, recorded in stone. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't believe it. I don't. No, I don't agree with any of that. But that's well, okay. Maybe it's on a different timeline. <laughs> it's on your timeline. <laughs> it's on my timeline. My timeline of nine nine nine. That's what I'm gonna call it because it doesn't make any sense. So with that, with the craziness that this episode was, with the excitement of this episode, there's more to come in the Loki world, in the multiverse, in the Disneyverse. Make sure you listen to us next week. Listen to us on Popcorn for Breakfast, on Spilled Popcorn, wherever you listen to fine podcasts, and also listen to the wonderful original music from Rhetoric the Band playing us out right here. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.